three days from the Oscars, if you're listening as soon as we release this. This is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Pretty empty last night. I guess people just don't want to see Lauren Hardy anymore. If you ask me who started comedy, I'd probably say Laurel and Hardy. That's their surnames. Their first names are the name of a new film, Stan and Ollie. And only a few days out from the Oscars, we are going to be making our predictions about who's going to be taking away the golden statues. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Kyron Wheatley and I've seen heaps of movies, but not that one. And luckily, Vary McIntyre and Michael Campbell Hello. both have. Now, as always, we have a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass later on for possibly you. But first... Roll sound. Roll camera. Ready, boys? Quiet, please. We're at West Scene 12. Take one. about the size of the audiences. I've been a little disappointed. And they said, could you persuade Stan and Ollie to do some publicity in order to turn the tour around? Would there be any more money? They said no. Who is they? People. The worst kind. Steve Coogan is an excellent comedian who's created some of the most famous characters ever to come out of the UK. Most especially, of course, the radio announcer Alan Partridge, who has had books, TV series and films under his name. But he also does really well in dramatic roles. Well, now he was teaming up with John C. Riley, who was able to divide his time between comedy and drama fairly evenly in a movie about the more dramatic aspects of some of the world's most famous comedians. But is it a drama or a comedy? It is both. It is a dramedy. That's actually the little subcategory on IMDb, fun fact. Because you're right, it shows a maybe a little darker past, but it is never not completely charming and entertaining. So for people that don't know, in fact, I didn't know the story of this film before seeing it. It's about Laurel and Hardy. Stan and Ollie. And it is about after their career had faded a little bit in Hollywood, they set upon this tour of England and they're desperate to get another movie funded. And they think that this is the way to kind of re-enter the public and maybe meet with a producer in England. But it doesn't all quite go to plan that way. This is in an era where it was at the end of Charlie Chaplin's career. Three Stooges were going. It's that early American comedy that pioneered slapstick and misdirection and that physical comedy. So it might seem a bit dated. I think when I was watching it, it was all these slapstick things on stage that they were doing. The audience in the movie was like roaring their heads off with laughter and I was like, "Eh, yeah, it was okay. But the emotional story between the two characters is what I was watching it for. I can appreciate the comedy that they were doing at the time was like revolutionary and funny, but now it just looks kind of old. Is it super lame to say that I thought it was really funny? (laughs) I thought the routines, because they're classic routines, right? Laurel and Hardy. And they even do one that I'd never seen before at a train station. And I don't know whether they invented it for the movie or this is a real routine, but I'd never seen it before. Yeah, I that I thought real. was yeah, it is. Uh, hilarious because it never featured in any of their movies. Presumably it, they say it's brand new for this tour they're doing. But I loved it. It's such a simple Laurel and Hardy premise. It's just a small misunderstanding that escalates. But I loved all that. And yeah. what I loved in the movie is even when they're not on stage, they incorporate very Laurel and Hardy routines into everyday life. Mm. Uh, for instance, even something as simple as checking into a hotel. They walk up and he rings the bell and the other one slides it across to take it away from him. And he slides it back and he rings it again. And it becomes like a little 30-second Laurel and Hardy routine just in the actual core of the movie. And I love that they incorporated it like that. I couldn't sleep for days when they told me what you did. And I couldn't sleep when I did it. But you still did it. You betrayed me. 
betrayed our friendship. Friendship? We're friends because Hal Roach put us together. And the only reason we stayed together was because the audience wanted it. I have real friends. And yes, we play golf. And we go to ball games. And we have sauerkraut on our broadwurst. People will remember our movies long after you've finished your hot dog. You could probably tell from my tone that I really enjoyed this movie. It charmed the hell out of me. Because there's two things I really love. I really love cinema and I really love comedy. And this movie is a love letter to both of those things in one. So, I mean, it is right up my alley. In the same way that Martin Scorsese's Hugo is a love letter to early cinema. And for that reason, I kind of like, I adored that film when it came out as well. This movie just spoke to me, like at the core of me, it's like, these are two things you love on the big screen presented well. I think it's obvious how it would be a love letter to comedy and that it's about Laurel and Hardy, some of the original comedians. How is it a love letter to film? It goes into their film career and almost even the politics of Hollywood at the time that almost ended their careers in this way. You see them performing their famous cowboy dance at the very start of the movie, probably what they're most famous for. You see kind of- Can I see that now? Can you do that now? Um, I, I can try and <laughs> kick my little legs like that, and, which is because you're right. Watching that two men dancing at a farm was the funniest thing America had ever seen at the time, but they recreate it so lovingly and perfectly that it's almost in the same way that Bohemian Rhapsody was almost bizarre to see the live aid concert from new angles. It was almost bizarre to see a different angle of this iconic comedy piece. What was really charming about this film? And I've seen interviews with John C. Riley and Steve Coogan how they discovered the actors themselves, Lauren and Hardy, was that they were businessmen and throughout their whole career, even though they were that famous, they weren't really friends because all they did was work and they came together and then went their separate ways and went home. But this part of the story that we see in their lives was when they first really became friends. So that's what's charming to me, knowing yeah. that, is when they came together after this illustrious career that when it's less about work and more about them travelling and establishing a relationship with each other, that they, yeah, this friendship is just so cute. And this is another aspect I really thought was quite clever because it's about a comedy duo, but comedy duos are kind of a almost a running theme in this movie, even to the point where Stan and Ollie, their wives, oh, yeah. kind of create their own comedy duo because they're always bickering. And again, it is played very Laurel and Hardy-esque, the back and forth between their two wives. And I think that every scene that they're in, they almost kind of steal it from Laurel and Hardy themselves. Mm. And just the idea of like comedy partnership and how it it is this like almost a marriage. There's all the beats of a romantic comedy, but it's between... Stan and Ollie. And I love that the idea that comedy is a marriage like that. How about we tell Robin Hood, you've got it all wrong. You ought to steal from the poor and give it no, to the no, rich or something not, like that's that. That's not right. No, it's, well, what is it? Well, all, all right. Okay. Oh, you got how about, there okay, you how about this? That. Okay, I tap you on the shoulder and I say, uh, uh, Ollie, I got an idea. How about we, we give to the poor by stealing from the poor? That way we cut out the middleman. <laughs> that's it. That's it. All right. Stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Who ever heard of such a ridiculous idea? Well, it's communism. How's the relationship between John C. Riley and Steve Coogan in this film? How do they go as a duo? As good as Laurel and Hardy? Yeah, I wouldn't have imagined these two people to get together. <laughs> but as a British and American Laurel and Hardy, they were an unlikely pairing. 
But what I found brilliant about these two men was their performances and how much they inhabited Laurel and Hardy. They must have watched hours of footage because just the facial tics and and the way that they moved their lips and like Steve Coogan just embodied the actor. It sort of is more of the impersonation really, isn't it, than the inspiration. Like they really are going to be as close to those originals as they can. I think it's kind of both. On stage, it definitely is an impersonation. He's doing the little, he used to always kind of shrug his shoulders and pull his neck forward and, and he does all of that. But it's not like he's doing that in dramatic scenes as well, you know. Like there, there is a level of impersonation and actually being a human being and they kind of do a bit of both. You're going to get a best of both worlds. So who should see this film? If, like me, you love classic cinema, if, like me, you love comedy, then there's no better melding I've seen recently of the two than this. Yeah, I like historical films that look at an aspect of a a particular era and appreciating how film and comedy has gotten to the stage that it is from pioneers like Laurel and Hardy. Also in cinemas at the moment, Alita's Battle Angel. Robert Rodriguez's cyberpunk dystopian future cyborg thing. James Cameron's CGI yeah. extravaganza. What Men Want. The gender reversal of what women want from several years ago. Happy Death Day to you. A sequel that looks like a funny slasher. And next year's best Oscar winner, If Beale Street Could Talk. Yeah, a really beautiful uh, Barry Jenkins follow-up to Moonlight. You can hear about all of those by clicking on the previous episode in whatever podcast app that you're in right now. If you're listening to this the day we release it, there are three days left until we find out who wins the Oscars, but we've had the nominations for a little while now, so today we're going to go through them and find out who we think are going to take away the trophies. Shall we start with Best Picture? Let's do it. The nominations are... (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) What have we got? Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favourite, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Green Book, Vice, A Star Is Born and Roma. In the I reckon we lead with our favourite films. Okay. Well, Shall we talk about our favourite films? Let's do sure. it. Let's do it. And I guess for that idea, just best picture in general of the year, of the nominees on the list for me, the one that impacted me the most and I think I was floored the most by is A Star Is Born. It could be a combination of I've never seen the original so I didn't know where the story was going and it was so much better than it had any right to be. What I thought looked like a vanity project at first. Well, like, this is amazing because this this one has split audiences. Hasn't it? And Which is fascinating to me. I don't know what it is that's splitting them, to be honest. I didn't really see many, if any, flaws in it. I thought it was beautifully filmed. I thought it was beautifully acted. I thought it was incredibly well directed, especially for someone that's directing their first feature film. I mean, he's no Barry Jenkins. He wasn't nominated <laughs> for this director. He's like, but that, for me, is what I think was the best film of the year of that of that list. What do you think about Star is Born? It was all right. I enjoyed it. But <laughs> I'm not going to take go, our best picture. <laughs> I would go Black Klansman. Right. It was just so different and unique. The premise is just hilarious. A black guy poses as a white guy to the KKK. Like, come on. <laughs> and then the, the, the beats in it, that black comedy, it was just, yeah, it was just such a fun ride and something different that really stood out to me. I really remembered it, even though it was months and months ago. There's a history sometimes of best picture films going to directors that should have deserved them a long time ago. 
for instance, Martin Scorsese one for The Departed when really it's kind of like for Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. And Spike Lee... He's fine at getting accepted by the Oscars, isn't he? Exactly. And it's almost like I don't think it's Spike Lee's best film, but I think even in the review I said it so far has been my favourite of the year Mm because I also really loved it. But if that does happen, I just feel like there's going to be a stigma about it that way. And that would kind of suck to to have something like that taken away from someone because uh, no, it happened to care. Scorsese as well. Uh, no, I don't care. No. <laughs> I mean, it's a good film on it in its own right. No, it's just yeah, as The not? Departed, I think, was a quite a good film yeah, in its, it's own right. It's not like they're not deserving. But, it, yeah, they just weirdly have that stigma about them. What about you? What's your favourite? My favourite might be The Favourite. Oh. I really loved that. Yeah. And I'd really love to see something that absurd and weird get best picture as well and did, to be did birdman win best picture oh yeah it did so like i that, guess there's precedent to like a weird arty what the hell was that yeah i mean this film? is weird though <laughs> <laughs> i mean birdman was weird but this is this is very weird so cynically what do you think is gonna win if i'm putting my cynic cap on i'm gonna say what i think will win is green book and there's a lot of kind of boring politics behind it but this is my hot tip Uh, The Producer Guild Awards, very boring awards, but it won Best Picture there. And 11 of the last 13 to do that also won Best Picture. I think Bohemian Rhapsody, because it's been so popular. It's been in cinemas for so long. So many people love it. Just a classic story. And Mm. it's interesting. They both did win Best Picture at the Golden Globes, Mm. Bohemian Rhapsody for Music Comedy and Green Book for Drama. So it's anyone's game. Let's move on to Best Actress. Lady Gaga, surprisingly. A few years ago, wouldn't ever have imagined that she was, you know, she's always performing at the Oscars, but to be nominated for Best Actress, that's amazing. Uh, Olivia Coleman, who I think did a superb job in The Favourite. you got Glenn Close from The Wife, Yulitsa Apericio in Roma, and Melissa McCarthy. Can you ever forgive me? I'm ready for the Russian ambassador. Who did your makeup? We went for something dramatic. Do you like it? You look like a badger. Did you just look at me? Did you? Look at me. Of all of those actresses, my favourite performance of them is Olivia Colman in The Favourite because Same. Spectacular. having yeah, followed too. her career from the Mitchell and Webb look comedy sketches to Academy Award nominated actress, it's so good to see all of that hard work, all of that career really paying off with all the praise that she's getting. And as much as I love Lady Gaga, she's had a career of people fawning over her and yeah. telling her she's the best. She's, Olivia I, Coleman hasn't played the Super Bowl. No. For example. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> uh, so that was my favourite performance. I think she was so, so good in The Favourite. Yeah. Well, we all agree. Great. She's going to win. <laughs> yes, that We've right. done it. But wouldn't it be amazing if Ulitsa Apariccio won for Roma you know, Afonso Cuaron used non-actors in this film. Mm. Like, I, I'm not sure if she had done some work before, but she is not the Hollywood superstar that the rest of these people are, like, you know, Super Bowl stars. <laughs> and for her to suddenly be on the international stage for cinema and then if she won, that would be just incredible. And she is amazing in Roma. Yeah. Cynically, who do you think is going to win Best Actress? It's the hardest category, I think, of all the categories, but I am going to back Olivia Colman. Mm, yeah. 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 What, any sort of mm. industry reason? Just a no. gut feeling. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, there's not. There's something niggling me that says Lady Gaga because when the movie came out, 
a lot of reviews were like, oh my God, she's such a good actor. So maybe that will play into it and mm. they'll just be like, overlook the, the fact. the Academy likes to reject that though, don't they? Yeah, hopefully. Go their own way. <laughs> Not that I'm saying she was bad. Oh my gosh. You know, but Olivia Colman, just, she's just great. Well, Lady Gaga's <laughs> co-star Bradley Cooper is nominated for Best Actor alongside Rami Malek's Freddie Mercury. Viggo Mortensen in Green Book, Christian Bale uh, as he disappeared into the vice president. And Willem Dafoe in a film I haven't seen at Eternity's Gate. Hey, he played Vincent van Gogh. Can I ask you a personal question? Okay. Tell me something, girl. Do you write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Almost every single person has told me they liked the way I sounded, but that they didn't like the way I look. I think you're beautiful. So, okay, best actor, I personally think, and I know I, I, I loved on it in Best Picture, but I think it was Bradley Cooper because he didn't seem like Bradley Cooper. Sometimes mm-hmm. you see an actor and you're like, oh, yeah, that's just uh, that's Brad Pitt. He's doing his Brad Pitt thing. But he generally, the way he held himself, the way he talked, the way he kind of leaned in to listen to people, just little things like that just felt like someone else. And for my money, I think that was the best performance out of all of them. On that same reason I'm going to go with Christian Bale for Vice because yeah, I felt the same thing. He just disappeared so much into this role. Yeah. And, and not just makeup because there were times when he yeah. was younger where he did look a bit more like Christian Bale yeah. where he was still disappeared into. Yeah, definitely. And even though Bradley Cooper did a really good job, I still saw it as Bradley Cooper. What about Rami Malek? Everyone's talking about his performance of Freddie Mercury. Look, I think he'll win. I don't know if he necessarily should. It, that felt a little bit more like an impersonation to me, but he's won everything. Everything yeah. that anyone's ever awarded anyone, they've <laughs> all now gone to Remy Malik. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. It might be <laughs> Is there any other categories you want to... Best animated feature is an interesting one this year. Yes, that's what I wanted to talk about. My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again and again and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album, and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. I really hope it goes to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse because it's so unique. If it doesn't, (laughs) they they should burn that place down. Well, Isle of Dogs is nominated. That was a very popular film from Wes Anderson. I really do love that film, but purely just by how groundbreaking it was, I think into the Spider-Verse should win because I'd just never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And normally the category should be renamed what did Pixar release this exactly, year? Exactly, yeah. And they'll just give it to that. And I really hope that Sony Animation, who did Spider-Verse, actually get their win for it. Mm. It might be Incredibles too because that was such an anticipated movie. So many people were asking for it. So, so many people went to see it. Could be, maybe. But honestly, I'm hoping and I'm backing Spider-Verse. For your chance to win a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass, go to Facebook or Instagram and leave a comment on the Cinema Crew post answering this question. What do you think will win Best Picture? Leave the hashtag the Cinema Crew and you could win two tickets. Next week is A Dog's Way Home, the next red dog. We must have at least one dog here on our screens at all times, it seems. From the writer of The Crying Game comes Greta, a tale of innocence becoming murderous. And Michael Caine stars in King of Thieves, sort of an octogenarian's heist, a sort of Ocean's 80-year-old's. Anyway, that's next week. Until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Vari. Thank you. I'm Kyron Wheatley, and we'll see you, at the very least, you'll hear us next week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.